This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hey Blenders, it's Sean here to introduce a bonus episode of Real Blend because we have a very cool interview that we wanted to throw to you guys uh, Mimi Cave, the director of the new film Fresh. This is, uh, as we have been talking about on the show, one of those projects that we really want you to go into knowing as little as possible. And so there are no spoilers in this interview uh, for the new film Fresh, which is available on Hulu for you guys to stream right now. Uh, but, you know, it is definitely one of those projects where if you have the time, I would press play on it before you get into this interview, because, you know, we talk about some... Some of the production values and some of the things that she did uh, during the filming of the movie to make it a little bit more realistic. And even that's sort of tough to get into because I don't really want to give away anything about this unique uh, and special film that made its debut at the Sundance Film Festival. If you've seen Fresh, uh, dive right into our interview with Mimi Cave. If you uh, have not, I would advise you go check it out, then come back here and watch uh, or listen to our interview with Mimi because we are thrilled to get her on the show early. I think she's going to be a voice that's going to be really well worth paying attention to uh, based on everything that happens in this film. So uh, without further ado, Mimi Cave on a bonus episode of Real Blend talking about the new movie Fresh. <laughs> Mimi, seriously, thank you. Welcome to the Real Blend Podcast. We are seriously, we're more of a filmmaker driven podcast, so we can't stress enough, get as nerdy and as behind the scenes and inside baseball as, as you want to, because we're very much that kind of show. So seriously, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. This is such an honor. I'm no, so it's excited. an honor for us. Um, you know, this is one of those interesting movies where I almost wish people would just take our word for it and go see it without knowing anything about it, because it would have so much more of an impact if you just went in blind. I understand the, the realism of the business and, and you want the studio to put a trailer out and promote the film and kind of let people know. But is there any part of you as a storyteller that just goes, just trust me, just go see it. Don't know anything about it. Don't find any. Just just go to the theaters and, and watch it. Of course. Um, I think that I did my best to try to hide things in the trailer that trailer that we did release mm -hmm. um, while still kind of driving excitement. So, you know, I was luckily able to be a part of that. Um, but, you know, there's always little things that I'm like, oh, do we really have to show that? Or <laughs> Wait, So you got but, to be a part of the trailer like that's pretty unusual, isn't it? To get a, to be a part of the promotion like that. 
Well, I've heard it's unusual, but this is my first rodeo. And, um, you know, so now I've been involved in this one and I can't imagine not being involved. Um, I was, yeah, I was day in, day out, very involved in that edit. So, I mean, it's not until uh, after the film where you stop to think about it. And, uh, you know, uh, my favorite types of horror movies or scary movies are ones that come from, you know, some grain of truth, because the more believable it is, the more credible it is, the more you think, oh, I could be in that situation. And so I played out the whole movie and then I got to the end and I was like, wait a second, is this actually a thing? So as you researched it and as you were, you know, getting deeper into telling the story, what did you find out about whether there's, you know, not not necessarily what we're seeing, but like a grain of some truth in this? You know, I think what I I'm glad you brought that up, because I, I what I hope people do come away with is just sort of like a reminder and an understanding of the um, 1% of the 1% type of people who really have never had anyone tell them no, because they can get anything they want with a certain, you know, dollar amount. Um, So, you know, we did a lot of research in a lot of different avenues and this is an original script. So there wasn't any sort of like backstory we were, you know, researching or anyone in particular, it was definitely an amalgamation of a lot of different types of real life villains that we kind of put in one category for the sake of the story. And obviously this interview is difficult because I don't want to give things away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah true. Right. You know, Mimi, I want to ask you, cause I'm, I'm just, cause I'm a fan of like how movies are made. Can you talk about some of the things you used for the meat. Um, I know it's it's a direct way to say it, but like there are shots of it cooked. There are shots of it um, like slabs on like, you know, it's wild to watch. But I'm just curious, like what were some of the crazy things you used to make it look like that? Yeah, we had, um, you know, a lot of our prep was done over Zoom because we were in full pandemic when we made this movie. So um, we had an awesome chef who was building all of those um, props, if you will. A um, chef. And, and it was all about what can we, well, first of all, what are actors willing to eat? <laughs> eat? And um, what can we do to make things look like they normally do, but with just like an extra flair of grossness to them, where whether it's a glisten or a certain texture or a color, um, how do we bring those things to life? So we did a lot of tests with that. And um, our prop stylist would sit on Zoom with the chef and eat stuff in front of us and see how grossed out we would all get. (laughs) Yeah, so we used like really, I mean, he got really inventive. We used a lot of like beets, to, you know, have the the sort of bloodiness of certain things. Yeah. Um, I know we used a lot of different animal fats. So like chicken fat um, and things like that, that just have like a, a natural glisten to them. But then we also added stuff um, on top in terms of like the shots that we knew were going to be on camera. But they're so. eating these things uh, they in, certain, in certain yeah. scenes. So when the, when the, when Sebastian or, you know, Daisy is eating it, like, like, is it, is it then a, an edible thing that tastes good like what like what 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 were they biting into in some of those shots like i know you mentioned the beets and oh, everything it was all what? it was all edible so okay. he made it camera ready but he also created it so that it was it had a flavor it had a taste luckily he's a real chef he's not just like um you know a special effects person who's building stuff but no cuz they you know we had to do a lot of takes so there were i think something like 10 plates each per uh, dish, you know, oh, so we had them 
right off off of set he had them all lined up ready to swap out and um yeah they they ate a lot <laughs> but from what i understand it was you know it wasn't all bad so i think you didn't did try anything you didn't try uh, any of it no i i actually <laughs> I actually, well, I do eat chicken, but I don't eat red meat. And so it's kind of funny. <laughs> so I was like, How does it taste? I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, maybe I want to talk about once I feel like I'm going to give this to every question I ask without giving too much away uh, the, the title card placement, because it's so late in the movie that you kind of forget that you haven't seen a title card yet, or it's just not something you're thinking about. I'm curious as to when, like when sort of that was going to, like like when that when that idea started forming in your head and and if you've been able to watch this with a with an audience because i'm pretty sure i let out a sound whenever the title card because it's just it's the perfect moment it's it's the combination of oh my god i can't believe we haven't seen a title card yet and what's happening in that moment when the title card comes up you just go oh my god so i'm just sort of curious the story behind that it's like 30 minutes in right yeah uh yeah 30 35 minutes in um Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it kind of like gradually came to be. There wasn't a title sequence written in, into the script. So when we were shooting, I was kind of constantly thinking like as we were shooting and looking at the big picture of things, maybe it could go here, maybe it could go here. But I already had broken down the script enough to know that like after we arrive to his house, we're kind of entering a, a very new type of film. And we had already decided, um, Pavel P- Pogorzelski and I, the DP, that we were going to shoot everything once we got there pretty differently. Um, hopefully not so jarring that it felt like it was out of that mo- out of the same movie, but um, there was already kind of like a clear visual delineation. And when we were in post, um, that's when we decided the exact placement. But as we were shooting, we would talk to the editor and kind of like throw ideas around. And so the the idea of them coming in late was always was always kind of there, but we didn't know how late. Um, And we tested it in a few different spots. But that was the one where, you know, when I presented the cut to the studio, that's where it was. And (laughs) I don't think I think they knew that that was coming. And I was sort of like, oh, I hope they like it. So (laughs) Um, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It went over well. And I'm really I'm really proud of it. I also think that like there's also it it gives you like a little bit of time to Mm. kind of like take a moment and be like, okay. Uh, I guess I'm entering into this new film and let me get my head straight because I don't know what I'm about to see. It's that moment in a roller coaster, like right at the top before you start to plummet, like you've been climbing and there's a moment of like stillness, like right before the roller coaster goes down. That's what the title card feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Mimi, so much of this is about um, audience reaction and how they're going to play to certain twists in the in the in the narrative. And so. This premiered at Sundance, but it was a very different Sundance. I would love to know what your experience was like with it. Um, were you on the ground? Did you get to see it with the crowd? Um, no. Um, yeah, Sundance in person was canceled. Um, and at that point, I, I, I already knew we weren't going to be going to theaters. So I was sort of like, well, at least we have Sundance. <laughs> um, so I will say I went through a bit of heartbreak in the beginning of the year um, just because we did, you know, we did audience testing for this film and it really scored quite high. And we were all very excited about that. But 
you know, we're in a strange world and a strange time. And to even just have a movie made and released is such a huge feat um, that I honestly couldn't ask for like better partners than Searchlight. And I, I trust them implicitly. So um, it is sad that my movie and definitely a lot of other films won't be able to see be seen in a big audience. But I'm hoping that people still get to watch it with friends, get to watch it with their partner, you know, and get to still have a little bit of that glimpse. I want to do it at one of those theaters where you get to eat while you're watching it. That just yeah. seems like a natural fit. <laughs> they have yeah. like a menu for it. <laughs> Everyone's on a date night. Yeah, I, I actually did get to see it in a theater with people when the world opened for like a week um, is when we did our audience testing. So for me, I was just such a special, like rare moment. And I, I really just want my actors and people involved in making the film to be able to experience that as well, because it's cool. I just hope you guys do some kind of like thing with Rotten Tomatoes. If when the reviews are fresh for it, you guys, there's got to be some kind of like interesting thing you can play with in terms of the marketing there because i mean the yeah. movie's awesome so hopefully hopefully uh, that, that'll be fun to play out um you mentioned your dp who's one of the best dps in the business like he works with ari aster a lot i think they did hereditary and midsommar and then i loved his work on nobody um but can you talk specifically about that choice i mean obviously it's your first it's directorial debut so you know that's a you know choosing a dp is a really big deal and you chose an incredible dp so how, how did that come about do you know ari aster through the filmmaking no, I don't know Ari. No, um, I, I mean, Pavel has always been like someone that I've really, you know, idolized and I actually didn't even have him on my list because I wouldn't, didn't think he would want to do it. <laughs> oh, wow. So the script got to him through his agent and we, he read it and was really into it. And we, um, we zoomed and it was like a pretty, like, great sort of like neat cute. And, um, yeah. I think that, you know, the because we were in a pandemic, the timing of shooting kept pushing and he really held on. And I was sort of like dumbfounded that he believed in it so much. But in the end, it really helped me believe in the process and gave me a huge vote of confidence. And and, you know, we ended up just like working so well together that I can't imagine doing anything without him now. So, um, yeah, he's mm. really an incredible um, DP, but an even more incredible person. So. I was very lucky. That'd be cool That's if you guys awesome. keep working together. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I love when those relationships start and just continue. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I love it too. Oh, my turn. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so engaged. Like, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to find out what Sean asks next. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the 1% the of the 1%, and there's a really great montage of the clients. So much so that every time it flashed to one, I kept thinking, like, what's their story? And when you get, like, enough in the frame to sort of like start the wheels turning into in terms of like who these people are. I'm sort of curious, how much did you, no pun intended, how much did you flesh out like mm -hmm. what each of their own stories were? Um, I had like my own little interpretation. Those characters were not written into the script. That was something that I added. Oh, cool. Um, and so it was really something where I knew I wanted at some certain points in the movie, um, sort of a break again, sort of like the title sequence, like we, you needed a moment to like see something else and be reminded of the greater world instead of just right inside of Steve's house. Um, and so I thought that that was, you know, could be a really cool visual mechanism to tie in the greater group. Um, and without, you know, having to really like break into a new scene and luckily it worked out. <laughs> yeah. 
but a lot of times it was things that I was taking, you know, taking some swings on. Um, and I know that like in the script there, it, we, she kept Lauren who wrote the script, Lauren Kahn, she kept alluding to this other sort of like society. And we always were like, God, how are we going to represent that visually? So it, it came down to that. Was there any of them in particular that you're like, I want to know what this guy's story is? <laughs> um, gosh, I feel like this is a bit of a spoiler to be talking oh, that's, about. That's fair. That's fair. I can definitely go into it. But I mean, they each, they, they definitely each have their own little story. If you look closely enough, they each have an assistant. Um, oh, okay. Uh, next to them and that sort of, ties into their story and i'll just leave it there <laughs> oh cool reason to go back and watch um so you talk about taking a big swing um this is absolutely a big swing for sebastian uh and you know you could play this character in a lot of different ways so i want to know what types of conversations you guys had because every, i feel like this is on me every time i watch him in something new i'm reminded of how talented he is right and i'm always yeah. like why do i keep sleeping on sebastian stan he's so good in everything um yeah. but i just want to know about some of the choices that he wanted to bring to the character and maybe some ways that you either encouraged him to go bigger or to reel it back yeah, you know, I think like um, I I've I think he's insanely talented and I um, I pretty much cast him off of his role in Itania, which I thought he did so well. Um, but I think that we were pretty aligned from the beginning and we knew that we wanted to represent Steve in a way that you know, was different from potentially other psych psychopath kind of like trope characters, but you realize it's really difficult because um, those tropes, those stereotypes all exist for reasons. And mm -hmm. all of those characters in, in you know, iconic movies in the past, um, all of those people did their research as well. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, oh, how do we, you know, separate? And so I think like a lot of it was in the first 30 minutes of the film, we, we really, I knew that we had to like make him believable as a good guy. And that was, was difficult. So I, I actually, that part of the film was more difficult in terms of tracking his trajectory as a character um, to say, you know, like, remember, like you, you are playing a part in order to um, you're sort of like a hunter after their prey. And so you're playing a part in order to get what you want. So when he was um, Steve, who was meeting Noah, he had to, it was like playing a role within a role. Oh, interesting. So, so weirdly, when we got to his house, he could kind of unleash and let that guard down. Right, right. So it, was, it was really interesting, but he's, he's very good at layering. He's very good at complex characters. Um, he spent a lot of time researching serial killers and um psychopaths and talking to criminal psychologists i mean he he was so interested in in getting it right and i think he did a great job i think he did too you know <laughs> one of the things and i i don't mean this in the way that the movie is like this at all but a tone that i kind of felt in this was kind of like american psycho um just just tonally um in terms of finding that perfect tone of like where you can be over the top but at the same time there's a grounded realism to it there's a grounded emotional quality to it uh, and then like you kind of like push the boundaries and then you'll stay grounded like you found this really phenomenal tone that i think is incredibly hard to find uh, as a storyteller and i wonder when you're directing it how important that tone is in your mind i know that there's a script i know that 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 is all part of the story but as you direct a scene how important is that tone in the back of your head I mean, it's everything. So yeah. 
I think that every time I opened my mouth to make a decision, I was thinking about the tone. Um, I knew it was going to be hugely difficult. I was constantly nervous that I wasn't going to nail it. Um, you did. It's, it's a balancing <laughs> act. It's a, it's, a, it's a really, it's a hard, it's a really hard tone to hit. It really it's is. It's really hard. I was yeah. trying to look to other things to, you know, to nail it correctly. And there are a handful of great films out there like that, but but a lot of the time I was thinking to myself, well, how did they do that? <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head. Uh, I realized before shooting, like, I think that the only way this is going to work is if we're really rooted in reality. Yeah. And that way, when we kind of like bring you into the second and third act, you are already invested in the emotional well-being of the characters and so you kind of can more easily go on this like crazy ridiculous ride that i'm about Mm. to take you on so um that was my hope and that was my plan and also that we always had to believe in noah we always had to relate to her at every step of the way and so her performance in being really truthful to what it would be like kind of like grounds the whole film so that all the chaos that's happening around her you are like holy so yeah (laughs) um yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's her and all the other characters that are in there that that to me was the grounded aspect of it like that was like really where it, it's it goes home and you go oh these are people these are real yeah. people <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and i loved how you used technology too like there were so many times when i was like there's gotta be some way that they're gonna do something and then you addressed it like there was always a moment where you addressed like what was happening in a modern sense and i thought that was really smart how that played mm-hmm. out sorry jay no, no. Um, I, I had the pleasure of, um, since I got to watch this at, via screener here at home, um, a few friends who I live in the building with, I was like, guys, come over and watch this. And um, one friend of mine, when it was over, she said, well, that's it. Like, I'm going to die alone. I'm, I'm done dating. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's it. Like, I'm getting off the apps. Like, this that, that's it. I'm sort of curious. There are so many different angles, uh, so many different conversations that this movie can bring up. But on set, how many times did it yield conversations about modern dating? It's funny. I, I kind of forgot about this and someone else asked me something similar and I was like, oh yeah, like a lot. We all talked about it a lot, but I wasn't paying attention to that really. Like it would be between, you know, between setups and stuff, talking to like our DIT or our script supervisor and us just starting to share, you know, bad dating experiences or or experiences with people who had like, you know, maybe a sliver of, of certain things that Steve has, um, narcissism, gaslighting, all of those things. And so, yeah, it was, un- I think, kind of like a constant conversation and different scenes obviously brought up different stories for people. Luckily, no real life cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> of, of the three of us, I'm the only one on, on the dating app. So I'm just watching this going like, oh no, like this is this is how it ends. Well, this me is- too. Hey, me too. you and me, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was all very realistic for me um definitely like i was like you know trying to like tap into my own experiences a little bit um so (laughs) does does it make you more i'm just jumping off jake's question does it make you more hesitant now when you're on the app and you're looking at the person and you're and you're going uh i mean I mean, hopefully the the message that the film, you know, is trying to say is like this, that women are always hesitant. This is like mm. something that we have to think about all the time. And it's just good for everyone to be aware of that. Whereas like, it's just something women carry around with them. You know, it's a constant feeling of, 
of danger and safety and um and you don't even like it's so it's so subconscious and default that you don't even think about it so yeah i think about it i don't think about it more after this movie um maybe i should (laughs) (laughs) but i think you know we're always um and i'm sure many men are the same but with women, you're kind of always on a little bit of alert um, mm. as as a single woman, whether you live alone or you're walking home alone at night, you know, things like that. They're very real dangers. So. Yeah. Mm. So um, the film has two production stills. And so every time we write about it at Cinema Blend, we have to use one of the two. And one is Daisy in the grocery store. And it, after seeing the film, I went back to it and I noticed the sign that hangs over her head that says fresh meats. So I'm just curious how <laughs> often you put little nods uh, in the production values of maybe the first half hour to say, like, here's where we're going. Yeah, I hopefully, <laughs> hopefully put in a lot of nods. Um, I tried to I tried to, like, put in a lot of Easter eggs throughout the whole movie um some that people will eventually see or some that people will never understand because they're personal to me or or um, someone in the filmmaking process um but yeah i I think like the fresh meats is interesting because i that sign already existed in that store oh for real (laughs) Um, why it's one of the reasons why i wanted to shoot there because there was all this stuff already kind of like in place that I, we didn't need to design. And, um, so I pressed very hard to have that location. <laughs> That's so funny. That's I great. That. No, it's, it's great to talk to you for your directorial debut because, you know, I'm excited to see where your career goes from here. And I, and I, and I just wonder like, you know, because you're coming out the gate with the, with this film, which is awesome. Um, was there like in your mind before you made this movie, how did you decide this was going to be your first one? Um, did you have other ideas? Did you have other projects in mind? Because at the end of the day, that the first film is it's now history. It's it's historical. It's your first movie you made. Um, and then you, you know, everything after that, you know, people will look back at your filmography and go and look at the different films you made. Um, did you did you think about that at all? This was like this is my first one. And this is why I wanted it to be the first one. Um, you know, getting an opportunity to direct a movie, especially if you haven't written it is, is really hard. It's, it's very competitive out there. It's very difficult to find yourself in the right, you know, with the right people at the right moment when everything falls into place. I've been directing for 12 years. And so I, I've always done short form. I wanted to be in TV. I knew I always wanted to rec- direct features, but I kind of thought it would actually be down further down the road. I got mm. the script and obviously was very excited about all the people involved in it. Read it, scared the shit out of me. Sorry, can I swear on this? <laughs> yes, yes, please. please. <laughs> um, yeah, it, well, it scared the shit out of me. And um I, but I just decided, you know, what do I have to lose? I'm going to go in and and give my take on it and kind of let them know how I would direct this script. And we just, I'm so glad I did because it it just worked out and we all really saw eye to eye and I got to be in this incredible, like lucky opportunity um, with really awesome producers who gave me a lot of creative freedom. So um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I'm very, very lucky that it was my first and, um, very excited. I, I don't think that I'm ever going to like, think like, Oh, I gotta do another fresh. Cause it's just mm. such a unique, special, um, script and bold story that those just don't come around that often. Mm. Um, 
Yeah. The follow up's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm just interested to know, like, yeah. what, what do you follow up with? Like, do you, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be like, do you have any ideas out of curiosity, what you want to do next? Yeah. You know, I, we, um, Daisy and I would joke on set a lot, like certain scenes we would be shooting, like, oh, today I'm eating meatballs. I'm again, I'm, I'm saving the spoiler, but, uh, and I'd be like, she'd be like, what a crazy day. And I'm like, yeah, but tomorrow you're doing this. It's also crazy. And we would just joke, like, we should do a period drama next. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's just do like a con- let's just do importance of being earnest, like something where there's just no like. We're, we're sitting there like trying to find like draw a line yeah. between the two. Going, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, don't, we- I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't get where it came <laughs> I from. I see food. Yeah, Wait, there, yeah. there's the connection. Because yeah. I do think it is where where do we go from here? But um, yeah, I, I'm really open to a lot of things. I I, I don't. I love thrillers and I want to continue to do thrillers, but I also love a lot of other genres and I'm just kind of in love with great stories. So I'm mm. looking for my, you know, the next thing that's going to kind of grip me the way that Fresh did. I think the Paddington franchise is going to come around to you after, go. They, <laughs> after they see Fresh. Dude, I, I love the Paddington. Like, I do feel like karmically I might need to do some, you know, <laughs> She's gonna do Toy Story Five next or something like that. I'm still just gonna sit there and be like, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't get the connection. Um, yeah. Maybe there is a there is a shot of a of a meat grinder and the meat coming out of the out of the meat grinder that very much reminded me of uh, the shower head from Psycho. And oh. I was wondering. Okay, I'm curious. Does that, does that mean that that wasn't intentional? Because it's kind of a circular meat, so that wasn't. Well, okay, that's my no. question. That's, no, that's that a, wasn't intentional, but that's very cool. I lo- I love like I love little like things like that. You know, sometimes the choices we make as filmmakers are either conscious, like an homage mm. to something, or subconscious, where maybe it's built in the back of my head and I mm. forgot about it. Um, or it's a cool connection that someone watching it makes that I never even knew. So I love that. She, Sean, you didn't I text? I feel like Sean, didn't you and I text each other um, about that afterwards? Shot? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think you yeah. texted me afterwards. Yeah. And I said, there's no way that it's an homage. And I was right. <laughs> 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 I knew the whole time. I knew all uh, along. But there, but there are a few other shots that are homages to certain films. So can you give Ooh. us one? Oh yeah, can you tease he tells one, for one us? movie. We'll look for it on the second viewing. Weirdly yeah. enough, it's Paddington. Uh, <laughs> let's see. We're gonna make Paddington happen. There's only, there's only really two that are like clear ones to me. Um, one is from a, a little movie called The Shining. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. one is from another small film um called silence of the lambs ah nice. yeah sure that would make sense <laughs> no no yes. doctor sleep what the heck mimi come on the, where, where's the where's the flanagan homage for her next movie all right i'll get you out of here <laughs> next week, too many. we uh we really appreciate your time and are so happy to have you as a guest on the show but i'm just curious like um as a first-time filmmaker as someone who's making their directorial debut not a first-time filmmaker you've been active in the industry uh if you had a mentor that you were able to call uh when you were in an issue where you're just like all right i'm up against it uh i need somebody to talk through so i love reading about people who do their uh first films and they have to be reminded after the fact that it's tough for everybody you know and it's almost like once they hear that it's calming so who could you turn to and just say like hey talk me through this well, I'm like, I'm very, I'm, again, I'm very lucky. Um, I was able to have Adam as Adam McKay as my mentor. Oh, right. Um, yeah. 
since oh. he was a producer on this film. So I was able to call him. He was shooting um, his small little indie film at the time called Don't Look Up. Um, <laughs> Fresh face cast of <laughs> newcomers. Up. Yeah, yeah, all newcomers. You never heard of them. And um, he, yeah, he would make time for me and we would have little check-ins and I had tons of questions for him. So um, he was, he was a great mentor to me through the process. And I was able to, you know, even just text him if I had a little, like, what do I do? You know, kind of moment. Um, but I will also say his producer, who is also my producer on fresh Kevin Messick, who does succession and vice and big short is incredible. And he really, um, was such an awesome partner to me and, you know, taught me a lot about the feature space without making me feel like I was, I didn't belong. So, hmm. uh, yeah, so I was really ushered in with, with awesome hands. That's awesome. Well, we cannot wait for more people to get a chance to see this movie. Uh, and so sure. thank you for coming on the show and fielding our questions and hopefully we'll get you back sometime soon. Yeah, please. Anytime. Thank you so much. We want to thank Mimi Cave for being a, a guest on the Real Blend podcast. Make sure you guys check out Fresh. As I mentioned, it's available to stream right now on Hulu. I love when there's a movie that's readily available. You guys can pop right over to your uh, television set, pop it on and see what we were talking about in this fantastic interview. Thank you again to Mimi for coming by. Uh, make sure you guys tune in to the main show uh, that drops on Friday. We're going to have director Sean Levy returning to the show. He's going to be talking about his new film, The Adam Project, which is going to be on Netflix uh, with Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner. Uh, just a really fantastic sort of, you know, we always say this, but a throwback to the Amblin tone of those movies that we all grew up on and and love. It's got some time travel and some comedy and some really, really heartfelt emotions that Sean gets into uh, with us. And we talk a little bit about uh, Stranger Things coming to an end as well, too. So put that one on your radar. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe and turn on your notifications. Welcome to a lot of the new uh, subscribers that we've gotten recently because you watched our Matt Reeves interview. Uh, and if you're listening to us wherever your podcast needs met, make sure you have uh, that you've subscribed to that feed as well, too. And tell a friend, help us spread the word of Real Blends. So we can continue to grow this family out uh, and have you people come and listen to our exclusive interviews and all the fun content that we do during the shows. So we'll catch you back here with a new episode very, very soon. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.